good afternoon and welcome to your diy health here on the people's patriot network i'm your host sergeant jim ram retired you can call me sarge it's thursday march 4th 2021 and this program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional assuming you can find one I'm not a doctor, and that's a good thing. In my opinion, the doctors most people go to see when they have a health issue, MDs, are wrapped around the axles of their training. Unfortunately, their training is in drugs and surgery, and it doesn't equip them to treat the over 900 chronic health issues that are proven to be a result of a nutritional deficiency. I'm simply someone who's been studying under the tutelage of one of, if not the top nutritional authorities in the world, Dr. Joel Wallach. Now, I don't treat diseases. I don't even treat people. I simply advise people how to give their bodies the raw materials they need to support and maintain good health, and when the body has what it needs, it'll fix itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. When you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed, because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R. DIY, like do it yourself, health, H E A L T H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there. If you have any questions about anything, just hit the contact me button. Gives you the option to send an email or call and leave a message. Either way, we'll get back with you within, uh, usually within a few hours, and we'll do everything we can to get your questions answered and get you on the right track. Also, if you hit the radio shows tab at the top of the page, you'll see the link to our archive page set up through castbox.fm. And uh, basically, there's about 500 shows there now. And you can share them via email and social media and listen to them all you want. There's no charge for any of it. We encourage you to do it. Uh, we encourage you to share them with other folks and just have fun with it. And if you scroll down a little bit further, you'll see the information on the shows we do, when they're on, and how you listen. And then at the bottom of the page, you'll see the link to our, our our Facebook page set up for the show. And by the way, I'm still in Facebook jail. I'm a Facebook felon, apparently. Uh, 29 days I got the other day for posting the truth, and they can't handle the truth. So anyway, we'll see what happens if and when that month is up, if I'm still around to go back on it and post some more truth and get kicked off again. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, I encourage you to check the stuff out that's posted that hasn't been removed. And at the same time, uh, right below that is the chat room. So take advantage of this stuff. Like I said, everything's free except the products. And those support the show. And more importantly, they support your health. So, uh, you know, that's basically where we are with that. Um, you know, Just keep in mind that the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the People's Patriot Network, its owners or sponsors or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. Now, the number to call into the show is 614-426-8787. 614 Four two six eight seven eight seven. One last time, six one four four two six eight seven eight seven. Or if you're on Skype, you can send a contract request to Sarge forty five ACP. That's S A R G E. The numbers four five and the letters A C P is in Paul. Mention your listener. We'll get you approved, and then from that point on, you'll be able to call in an excellent audio quality via Skype. 
So that works really well. So being that it is Thursday, um, Mike Gaddy is always our guest, and we're going to see if we can't get him on the line here and uh, see where we go today. I'm sure it's going to be interesting. One ringy dingy. Hello, Jim. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Ah, fair to Midland. How about you, sir? Better than I deserve. <laughs> we always say the same thing every time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, it, well, at least we're consistent. Yep, that's for sure. So uh, what's new in your neck of the woods? Anything? Ah, well, I had a thought about today. I thought, uh, let's do tough question Thursday. Ooh. <laughs> okay, as long as you're answering them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Jim, here's my first question. And, and this is, uh, if you and I were going into business together mm-hmm. and we were going to sign a contract, would you agree to a contract that would let me take any amount of your money or property I wanted at any time? Because I said it was necessary. <laughs> I know where you're going, and the answer is no, I would not. <laughs> but you already have. Yeah, isn't that special? Not with, well, not, not I haven't. Know, but you already have that contract. Yeah. Somebody did it for us a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, and then here is another question. Here's my second question for tough question thursday the second question is if i take money from you that you've agreed to under a contract Mm -hmm. if i take money from you and use it for an immoral purpose are you in any way responsible Hmm, that's a good question i would say I would say no at this point, based on the fact that um, it was a prior agreement and uh, what you do with it after you've made, uh, gotten the money, you know, basically, uh, I'd say it's on you. I don't like the idea. Well, okay, what if I commit one immoral act with your money, you find out about it, but you continue to give me money anyway. Well, then it's time to alter the contract. Ah, <laughs> um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. If you're aware yeah. of it, you know, once once you become aware of what's going on, then you have a moral duty to do something. You got to take action to stop it. Is my opinion. Amen. Amen. You you uh, you you filled in all of the blanks correctly. Even a blind hog could wrestle up an acorn once in a while. (laughs) Well, uh, you remember last week me mentioning a gentleman in Ohio uh, that I have been talking with who, Mm -hmm. Jim, he has three very unusual, in combination, not unusual, either one of the three, but there's an unusual combination here. Mm -hmm. Number one, he's a minister. Okay. Number two, he's a business owner. Mm-hmm. Number three, he's a county commissioner. Boy, there's a <laughs> there's a combination for you. Yes, 
And he is just, well, I, I talked with him for two hours last night again. Wow. Uh, he was, he was asking me a lot of questions. We talked about what the two questions I just asked you. Mm -hmm. And so he had a group that he got together with, uh, which, uh, included a sheriff in his County and some other people and also some people from his Bible study group. Uh And he, he asked them these same two questions, which I had posed to him earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. And he said to a person, everyone in the group said, it's time to change the contract. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then here's the tough question, Jim. Here's here's number three on tough question Thursday. How? <laughs> With this, and and you and I are both guilty on this one, brother. So we we have to admit it up front. Mm-hmm. How many of us have sworn an oath to uphold and defend this entity that's doing this to us? Well, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Now, ironically, we haven't taken an oath to uphold and defend the country. Right. We took an oath to uphold and defend a constitution. Yep. So, you know, there, there gets <laughs> to be a lot of mental questions, and there all there has been for me for quite some time. And my question I had to deal with years, several years ago was how complicit am I in all of this catastrophe? Good point. Man, I'll tell you what. This is a tough question Thursday. <laughs> got to make, make you go, hmm. <laughs> Man. <laughs> well... You know, we have agreed, and you and I both took solemn oaths, and I considered it a solemn oath Mm -hmm. when I took it, to uphold and defend the Constitution. But years later, I have found out through extensive study that what we took an oath to uphold and defend was fraudulently obtained. Yep. So going by the law... What are our responsibilities now? That's a dilemma. And again, because it, fraud vitiates all contracts. And once we become aware of the fraud, again, it's our duty to alter the contract or create a and new that's contract. Exactly. That's exactly what the Declaration of Independence says. Exactly. It is our duty. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say option. Yeah, it's our right and duty. Yes. So the question is, how so do we go then, about doing that? Go ahead, Jim. I said, so the question is, how do we go about doing that? 
Well, you got all these bozos out here that want to do a Article Five convention. <laughs> well, but that is contained within the contract we know was fraudulently obtained. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, which leads me to need to, to wipe the uh, chalkboard question. clean and start fresh. Yeah, that's. Uh, but here is a question, Jim, and, and the gentleman last night, and he does want to appear on your program. Cool. And uh, I talked with him about it, and he said he would very much like to do that. Okay, so, we can set that uh, up. Well, you and I can coordinate that, and yeah. I think it would be great to have him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here is the point. And we had about, again, last night in that two-hour discussion, we came to this point on several times. I do not believe that such a remaking can occur on a grand scale. I think it has to be done on a small scale to prove to the doubters that it, that it can work. Hmm. Interesting thought. Are you what talking are your like thoughts on, along that line? Hmm. It makes more sense because you know that's my that's been my concern all along. That the country is so big at this point, getting the word to everybody. You know, I know that you know in the founding days, word traveled fast by horseback. Uh, but we are in different times, and we do have a whole lot more people. And the education level of the existing populace now is far below what it was in the 1800 or 18th century. And uh, the education process is going to be much more difficult than writing the new, you know, uh, uh, Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers (laughs) 2.0, for lack of a better term. Um, Well... The Anti-Federalists had a great point, Jim, and I, I was surprised that how about almost the unanimity of this belief among the Anti-Federalists. Now, we have to remember this is 1787, mm-hmm. and there were about 3 million people in the United States, 2.5 yeah. million of whom were not slaves or indentured servants. Mm-hmm. So we have 2.5 million people. And the Anti-Federalists said in 1787 and 1788 that the country was too large for one centralized government to rule without becoming despotic. (laughs) They proved that. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at what is that? You've got we've got 330 million. You got one percent of what we've got now. Less than three. Yeah. Exactly. And now it's just one great big plantation. Exactly, where they do whatever they want to, whenever they want to, and nothing has been proved more correct about this than what Biden's done in the past month. That's right. You know, I was just saying that on my show this morning, something has to happen soon. Don't know there what. There are no restraints. Yeah. They just literally do whatever they want. 
And these people that keep talking about the 2022 and 2024 elections, <laughs> talk about wishing in one hand, my daddy said, and poop in the other and see which one fills up first. Yeah. You know. Well, Jim, what I think what really makes me despondent at times is the belief among so many people that a system which has completely failed us can be used to fix its own transgressions. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. You know, sooner or later, you so, just got to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. Well, you know, and that is what I believe is in almost every constitution that I've ever looked at. And I'm talking about state constitutions. Mm -hmm. And almost every Especially, I was thinking in particular about the Arkansas Constitution, which I studied extensively for the better part of two years. The Arkansas Constitution, of course, like all other states, they put their Bill of Rights first. Yep. I think that's highly significant. Mm -hmm. The states believe the rights of the people come before the powers of government. Exactly. The government... The government believes just exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. We'll let you have the rights exactly. as long as they don't interfere with what we want to do. Exactly. And that, that you exercise all the rights you want as long as it doesn't stop our plans. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the number one, of course, it's Article 2 in uh, the Arkansas Constitution. Because many constitutions, it's not number one. Because usually in state constitutions, Article 1 lays out the boundaries of the government or the state, the physical boundaries. Mm -hmm. So in Arkansas, the very first power given to the people of the state of Arkansas was the right to alter or abolish the government when it impaired or worked against their happiness. Hmm. Cool. Now, we either have that right or we don't. Exactly. But I believe the way most Americans are, and I've, I've encountered this, Jim, for 20 years, when you tell them and show them unequivocally that this government is rotten and it's out of control, their very first question is, okay, well, what do you want to put in its place? Yep. <laughs> so somebody's okay, got to sit down and draft like it. Someone being in the hospital, suffering with cancer, and you go in and say, hey, I know how we can do an operation and get rid of this cancer. And they say, well, what disease are you going to give me in its place? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it, it, Jim, that's always frustrated me. It's like, you know, someone says, okay, well, you know, I've been shot twice. Well, what's your answer? Well, shoot me three times. Yeah. I... And I realize that is the mindset that has been put into the American public by the public pool system. Mm -hmm. And that has created Bubus Americanus, who yep. thinks along those lines. Yep. Exactly. So if you are driving down the highway at 100 miles an hour and you know that the bridge is out over the Grand Canyon... Mm -hmm. What is the first thing you must do? 
Hit the brakes. <laughs> you got to stop. Yep. You got to stop what you're doing that's leading to the destruction. Yep. You wouldn't take a picture? By the way, Robert's uh, here. No, I wouldn't have time to take a picture, Robert. <laughs> hey, buddy, it's good to hear from you. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> You snuck right up on me, didn't you, buddy? I'm a sneaker. You know, a few days ago, the head basketball coach at Creighton University in a post-game speech to his team after a loss said that all the team members must stay on the reservation. That comment came very close to costing him his job, and he had to apologize. (laughs) Oh, man. I thought about that just now when I heard you say plantation. James. Oh. Well, it is true. Go ahead. Uh, good conversation. And uh, that guy well, you talked about, the pastor, is that the one from the no-name county in Ohio? Yep. Yes. Good. I look forward to hearing him. Yes. Please have him on. Well, guys, uh, to throw a little levity into the situation, uh, I've got to tell you, because I mentioned the Grand Canyon, I... My grandfather, as I've told both of you gentlemen, my grandfather lived to be 100 and was a fantastic influence in my life. But I realized when he was in his late 80s and in a conversation that I had with him, I realized he had never traveled more than 80 miles from home. Wow. (laughs) So I felt like it was incumbent upon me to let him see some of the country that he loved before he passed away. Mm, Cool. So I, I devoted my leave and my vacation to taking him places. I took him to a session of the Supreme court. I took him to Arlington cemetery. I took him to several civil war battlefields and I took him to the grand Canyon. Very cool. And at the time, and at the time, here was a man. Now, he was in good enough health to travel, and we always checked with his doctor to make sure he did, which was a mistake because he hated doctors. <laughs> uh, I should have just listened to him at the time, but I didn't. He said, I'm good. Yeah, to you should have. Let's go. You should have. So, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. I hate doctors, too. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, I took him to the Grand Canyon. And if you gentlemen have been there, you know, you walk up to a, uh, you know, on a platform where you overlook the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. I took him up to that and walked up there with him. And he was probably in his early 90s then. He walked up, stood there and just looked across, looked into the canyon. And he turned around and started back towards the car. And I was walking with him and I said, well, what do you think, Pop? And he said, Hell of a ditch. <laughs> Man. There you go. That's it. He's a big right. shovel so, to dig that one. He had the capabilities, and I, I hope someday if I, I'll live long enough to have that ability, he could take the most elaborate question in the world and take it right down to its common denominator in about 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah wisdom of the ages and so today 
he was my inspiration for Tough Question Thursday. Well, staying with that theme, uh, let me give you another tough question. Maybe it isn't so tough. What do you think about uh, Theodore Geisel being Yank, also known as Dr. Seuss? (laughs) Well, you know, I have seen so much absolute insanity in the past couple of days guys i some one of my friends from alabama just sent me a mime of where some absolutely idiotic uh well i'm gonna hold myself here before i say something bad anyway this woman addressed to people that we need when it comes to our dogs we need to quit saying at a boy and at a girl because we are ignoring their tra- transgender proclivities. <laughs> that, now that's still sociopathically stupid. I disagree completely. Dogs are not that stupid. Humans, yeah, yes. Well, dogs, you know, no. <laughs> if humans are, obviously. Yeah. But dogs, no. They're smart enough to know there's boys' dogs and girl dogs. Yeah. yeah. Last time I checked. You sniff one and bark at the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, but uh, Robert, I hope uh, you know. I hate, hated to divert that to answer your question, but we have lost our minds as a people. I pretty don't much. mean individually, but as a society, we have absolutely lost our minds. I saw where Amazon is now doing a construct of their eliminating any books that they sell that they consider racist. Mm -hmm. And that is good. But at the same time, they removed a video that they sold of Clarence Thomas giving a presentation for an hour and a half. Yeah, during Black History Mm -hmm. Month. Now, how does that compute? Great question. And that is significant when you consider that. Sorry, uh, Michael. That's okay. Go ahead. That is significant when you consider that Amazon sells 40% of all books sold in these United States. Absolutely. So, Robert, help me with this question, please, brother. How can I get rid of my inborn racism by being a racist. (laughs) Exactly. How can we be less white or less black or less purple? Interesting paradox. I'm just not sure that, you know, and I I talked about on the program, I'm not sure if either one of you gentlemen had a chance to hear a DW and I discuss George Wallace on Sunday evening. Did you? No, unfortunately. I did, yes. It was good. It was good stuff. Well, here is the thing that I couldn't understand. And, of course, Robert, uh, you know, your opinion is always very valuable to me, regardless. But, I, you know, we, we all over George Wallace for saying in that 63 inauguration address, uh, segregation now, uh, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. And we criticize him and call him a racist, but when the Supreme Court said the same thing, they're okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
And I might have thought of, yeah. Go ahead. I might have thought he was a bad guy too until you uh, spoke some sense to me. Said, "Go listen to the whole thing, Robert." And when I did, I, I can see how that comment a was taken out of context. B really had nothing right. to do with his overall speech. It's it was really, you know, if uh, you know, listening to the program, Jim, I'll be happy to send it to you if you'd like. To yeah, if have you would, it so you could listen to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, we talk about. And, Robert, I'm glad you're here. But if we say, okay, we can have Black History Month, but we can't have White History Month, is that not segregation? Yep. Good. Just, just like you asked in your article that you wrote a few years back. Good question. Or like the Congressional Black Caucus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. I, 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 I don't understand if, you know— if people want us, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, if we want to judge people by the character and not the color of their skin, don't we have to drop all of these things? Mm-hmm. We should. You would think. You would think. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I'm having a real problem understanding that on Tough Question Thursday. <laughs> Or any other Thursday, for that matter. I'm sorry, Jim. What'd you say? I'm I sorry. say, yeah, or any other Thursday, for that matter. <laughs> well, it just never makes sense. True, but I, I, I'm having a real problem understanding that. I, uh, mm-hmm. Seriously. I know what you I'm mean. right there with you. And Got your mind, too. I, I'm not sure how I respect anyone. And the one thing I've thought of so many times is, and I and I put this in an article years ago, America, there is no one in this country alive today who has ever owned a slave. Right. There are no people in this country today who have ever been a physical slave. So why is this still a, why is this still dividing us? You know there is a bill circulating in Congress uh, that, uh, that supports reparations. I don't know how far along it is or where, whether it's going to go anywhere, but it is. It, it, it's in the House of uh, Congress as we speak. Well, there are some cities and some counties that have already voted for reparations, Robert. Wow. Talk about losing your damn mind. Jeez Louise. Well— you know, uh, I had a lady, a uh, really very intelligent black lady. She's uh, a judge, and she told me one time we were talking, and she said, "Well, I want my forty acres and a mule." Is that the basketball player? Yes, and I said, "Okay, judge, I'll give you your forty acres in the middle of the desert in Nevada." And you take your mule out there and just knock yourself out. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I'm i just not sure how I owe someone for something my ancestors may or may not have done. Excellent question. Yep. And here's the other thing that, what about 
all of the people, what if the people who have migrated to this country since 1865, what are they responsible for? Yep. That's an excellent, that's another good question. Or if your son robs a bank, are you going to be responsible for it? I'm, I'm just, you know, I would like for someone in government to actually answer these questions. I don't think they do as well on Tough Question Thursday as we have. Just a just No, a and I, I don't think they would allow us to ask them these questions <laughs> either, Jim. Well, they definitely wouldn't answer. I know that. Man. So, I believe that no one is polarizing the races quite as much as the government is. Yep. Yeah, they, they're, they're doing it on purpose. That That's to keep us all separated and fighting amongst ourselves, so we don't exactly see what they're doing. Because if we were weren't fighting amongst ourselves, we might realize who the real enemy is. Mm-hmm. Once again, the ants may gather and unite against the grasshoppers. Yep. They have to keep us going constantly. Sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. People just and can't see that. what amazes me is the people they have paid to do it. Yeah. The brown shirts. Absolutely. I, I just, you know, I get upset at people who are willing to, you know, I, I put a, uh, a bumper sticker on my truck one time out in Colorado. I said, you know, if you voted for someone to prove you're not a racist, how about voting for someone else to prove you're not stupid? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. And somebody probably got mad and ripped it off. Oh, yeah. you know, Jim, I have I'm spent sure my life true. making people angry. Yes, oh, you yeah. have. Yep. Yes, you have. I do that every time night at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Jim, this is tough, this is tough question Thursday, not confession Thursday. <laughs> I was going to say I'm almost to the point where yeah. I got to have a food tester <laughs> or cook myself. Yeah. You, you really pissed that guy off at Mark's uh, James. You really hacked him off. Oh man! You might come looking. Oh. <laughs> I've thought about going back, but then I thought better. It's not worth the hassle. I got a question. I got a question, Jim, and it's an easy question for Tough Question Thursday. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I I think it's going to take uh, more than an hour. Uh, How about you and Robert coming on the program with me uh, when uh, when I set it up with this gentleman from Ohio? That would be great. Okay, give me a week. Yeah, just notice. give us a little like bit of notice. I work every other Sunday. So, but yeah, I, I'm, yes. a, I'm, a, I'm aware of that, and the gentleman has told me he would give me two weeks' notice, so I'll be able to throw out two weeks' notice when he cool. feels like he's ready to do this. Sounds okay, good. Cool, cool, cool. Yes. And then if we want to do a follow up, we can always schedule him for my show too. 
Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm down. Absolutely. I'm down. Yeah, I, I want to hear what that man has to say. Yep. Did, did you say he's a county commissioner in that He county? is a county, county commissioner, a minister, and he owns a pizza shop, a pizza uh, restaurant. Oh, cool. Talk I, about a trifecta. Damn. I may have to go visit him. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Moses. That would be a fun drive for a day, a day trip. May have to do that. How far are you from, well, him, James? I, well, I, I'm I'm not positive. I have to double check here. Uh, mm. You guys go ahead and chat for a second, and I'll figure that out. <laughs> okay. Well, what I was thinking about, Jim, if you uh, once you figure that out, I have uh, he has actually asked asked me, and I have uh, I have voiced some uh, 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 belief in the fact that I would like to come visit him in person myself. <laughs> Make it a family affair. Yeah, I'm just looking at an overall map of Ohio, and it would appear he's probably about an hour, hour and a half away, roughly. About 120, 130 miles. Yeah, roughly. it's you know the the worst thing is it's there's no direct route so to speak, and have to go east and then south. But uh, you can't get there from here. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's <laughs> now if I had my auto gyro, I could fly there <laughs> as a crow flies. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Have to wait until I can get one of them. But uh, right now, I'm still driving. So uh, that being the case, yeah, probably about an hour and a half, roughly. But it'd be a nice scenic drive. Okay. And it's about where I thought okay. it was. A little farther north than I thought it was, but generally speaking, yeah, it's not bad. How big a county are we thinking about? Go ahead, Robert. Sorry. I was just going to ask, how big a county are we talking, like 10, 20, 30,000? 15. Yeah, it's a small 15. county. That's just the right size. It's not quite to the Ohio River. Okay. Ish. Well, I was thinking about making a trip because I would like to combine it uh, because I want to go visit my son uh i don't know if i told you guys but my son has just accepted a new job as a project manager for springfield armory oh cool so you get factory samples (laughs) i'm sorry robert say again that's the company you were telling me about that makes the sights and the scopes and such and rifles no that was steiner that was steiner that's who he previously worked for oh Oh, man They make some great oh, okay. binoculars and optics. Shoot. But Springfield yeah, Armory, just, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> he started He started the new position with Springfield Armory in the first week of February. Cool. Okay. All right. So he's in Illinois now. Well, he's actually, he says that uh, when he first went to visit, he went for three interviews. And uh, they told him that the majority of, I think it's Geneseo, Illinois, but uh, the uh, yep. guy who is the CEO told him that the majority of their employees live in Iowa. <laughs> That's smart. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Not and, surprising. Uh, it's, it's right near the border, and uh, uh, evidently the property taxes and everything else are much better in Iowa than they are in Illinois. Oh, def- I see that being true. Definitely. Too. And you can own guns in Illinois or in Iowa a lot easier too. I can see yeah, that. I think he, I think he uh, he has mentioned uh, he is looking at property in Clinton, Iowa. Hmm. I've heard that. 
I don't know why, but I've heard of it. Hmm. Well, that's cool. So I would like to, I would like to go up and visit and get a tour of Springfield Armory, hopefully, when I'm there. So oh, I would yeah. like to, uh, uh, you know, if I could figure out a way to combine that to, with a trip to from Ohio and then onward to Iowa, I would sure like to do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yep, buddy. And it might be fun, since my wife is a good Ohio girl, she was... Uh, uh, born and reared in Parma, right outside of Cleveland. Amrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They danced the Parma polka there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Parma was the butt of all the jokes. People in northern Ohio, for some reason, it's a nice place. But for some reason, they get a lot of the <laughs> grief. Oh, you're from Parma. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Who's full uh, of Kishka? But yeah, that'd well, be that'd be fun. She, she has a couple of distinctions. She uh, talks about uh, being from Parma, but she also was at Kent State as a student on the day of the shooting in 1970. Oh wow! Wow! Man, that dude's got some history. Yeah. There she is. Yeah, so we have uh, uh, we uh, have talked about that quite a bit, and of course, her brother was a listed as a POW MIA. He was a graduate of the Air Force Academy, and he was in the Wild Weasel Squadron, Ooh. and was shot down over Vietnam, nineteen seventy one. Oh man! Mm. Wow! Did they ever find him? Well, Jim, that is a story in and unto itself. She, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, her mother and her father passed away, never knowing what happened to their son, because the wow. U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense lied through their teeth about what actually happened to him. And uh, it was such a an event of how we actually found out the truth. It was unreal. Uh, if you've got just a minute, I'll tell you the story. Go right ahead. You got my curiosity peaked. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Right. I was writing, I was uh, vice president of the, uh, American foundation for accountability of prisoners of war and missing in action in Washington, DC during the eighties. And we were working tirelessly at that time, trying to find out everything we could about those that had been left behind in Vietnam. Well, years later, we're living in Colorado, and I wrote a uh, an article about working for American Foundation Accountability POWs and MIAs. Well, a gentleman up in Grand Junction, uh, someone gave him a copy of my article, and he sent me a email and he says would you put me on your mailing list please and i said sure and so i wrote a, a detailed article about pow's and mias and he sent back and he said well you know he said i was a uh, the navy equivalent of the army jolly green giant he said i was in the navy equivalent of that we operated off of aircraft carrier and he said our job at that time was to rescue, attempt to rescue pilots in the uh, Gulf of Tonkin. 
And uh, he said, I actually wrote a book about it. And what they referred to their aircraft, the Army called it Jolly Green Giant and what have you. The Navy called it the Big Mother. Mm-hmm. So he that was the title of his book, Big Mother. And he was telling me about it. And he said, well, he said, I dedicated my book to the only two men that we couldn't rescue in my during my tour uh, aboard the i think he was aboard the uss coral seat I'm, i don't hold me to that but anyway he said i wrote a book about it i dedicated it to the only two men we couldn't rescue and i said okay well who were those two men i probably heard of them and he sent it back and it was michael zorn and michael two rows that was my wife's brother mm. And I said, and I called him and I said, look, are you telling me, tell me the story. You said they couldn't be rescued. And I said, was this sent on up the line? Did the Air Force know about this? And he said, oh, yes, we filed the reports. He said, we had an end number on the aircraft F-105 that went down. And he said, we actually had a man who ended up with permanent. We were trying to rescue these men under fire. And uh, they... uh, And he told me, he said, well, what happened? He said, it's going to be tough, you know, for most people to understand. We were trying to rescue the bodies. But he said, what happened is these men hit their ejection seat and their canopy didn't come off and it broke their necks. And he said, we were trying to rescue the bodies. And he said, we were under heavy fire. And he said, one of our crew members got tangled up in the parachute of one of the guys in the water. And he said he almost drowned. So then, uh, so, you know, that here was the thing we couldn't figure out, guys. Why did the Department of Defense and the Air Force lie to my wife's parents and to my wife for years, telling them they didn't know what happened to them when they did? That's, That's one of crazy. those lies that just never made sense whatsoever. Yeah, normally that would be because they were across the line on a map that they weren't supposed to be across, something like that. Well, this was during the time, Jim, the wild weasel was a, uh, was, you know, kind of like a top secret program. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, but I don't know how you, how you lie to parents you know, you could say, hey, they, you know, they were, I'm sorry, but, you know, they were shot down. You don't have to tell them why or what they were flying or anything else. Mm-hmm. And ironically, just about three months before we found out this information, the Department of Defense had asked my wife for a DNA sample to, re- to compare to some remains they had found. Well, why go through that whole ruse if you already know it? Yeah. But guys, probably one of the things that was that was really, really touching to me was I was asked to give a presentation in Grand Junction, Colorado. We drove up there. My wife went with me. This gentleman who had been involved in that rescue attempt, he came, gave my wife a signed copy of his book, and they sat together for almost two hours. And I think that probably did more to help my wife resolve all of that in her mind than anything else. 
So, you know, the Lord mm. does work in mysterious ways. Yeah, that's for yep. sure. Yep, yep, yep. The way people get brought together. Yeah, it's, it's you know, if I hadn't been writing articles, if I hadn't written about that, uh, we would have never known, and she would have been just like her mother and her dad. You know, I, I firmly believe that it uh, that whole thing contributed to her, to her dad's death because he had a— uh, Shortly after that, he had a heart attack, and then while he was in the hospital from the heart attack, he had a massive stroke. Mm-hmm. And and a, mm-hmm. and he was one of those he was one of those guys that just kept everything inside. Mm-hmm. Yep, stress. And not not knowing what happened to his son, I know contributed to that. Oh no, well, no question, definitely. no argument. Sure it did. Sure it did. And her mother. Her mother lived with us the last 12 years of her life, and she passed away at 93. And, you know, and we found out, like, you know, three years later. It, it just, I was so sad that she was never, uh, you know, she left this earth not knowing what happened to her son. Mm. Yeah. yeah, something tells me there's going to be a lot of people in the military that are going to have to answer for stuff, if not in this life and the next. Well, Jim, I couldn't agree more. My involvement with the prisoner of war missing in action, I never saw so much cover-up, so much, you know, and I attended several hearings. I learned a – I developed a passionate hate for John McCain. Well, I was about to say, uh, George talked about him nonstop. George Riley, about he just like a – brick wall against anything that mm-hmm. anybody came say in front of the committee that he was ahead of. He, he just, uh, he, he just wouldn't listen to or didn't offer any help or any, he was just negative and defensive and was pretty much worthless. The one thing, the one well, good thing I, he did for this country was dying. Yeah. <laughs> the one, the one hearing I went to, uh, that I remember distinctly was these five, sisters i was trying to think of their maiden name anyway their brother was an air force major and these five sisters came to the hearing and he was the uh, only male sibling and there were five female siblings and they all came to this hearing and one of them was asking mccain very very pointed questions she was saying why if you were a prisoner of war, why would you not want our families to know what happened to these things? And the, the point of it was is that, uh, I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar, but all pilots had a special code, and all crew members had a special code, that they would give that code because the North Vietnamese were tricky pretending to be downed pilots to get people to come in for rescue and shoot them down. Mm-hmm. So... Each crew member had a code, and if they didn't uh, give that code, then uh, they wouldn't attempt to rescue. Well, in Laos, they found this code stamped out in the elephant elephant grass and a satellite video. And this happened to be uh, Major Apodacas. They were from uh, New Mexico. This happened to be Major Apodacas' rescue code. Well, no one would have known it or unless they tortured it out of him, and no one would have known this. And so 
they wanted to so as soon as all this information comes out the damn government classifies it all so people can't get access to it Mm. one of the the apodaca sisters was questioning john mccain on this of course john mccain was the chairman of the committee and john Kerry was the uh you know the assistant chair so she was asking questions john mccain became very livid got red in the face and started screaming at the woman and she broke down in tears man Scum. and as mccain was leaving the office an uh u.s army colonel whose son was a missing in action grabbed McCain and slammed him up against the wall. And before the Capitol Police could get to him, uh, Colonel, the colonel said, look, you ever intimidate and scream at one of the family members again? And he said, I'll personally whip your ass. Good for him. You should have did it right should've then. should have done it right then and there. <laughs> yes, well, well I'm, I'm, I think he was going to until the Capitol Police got there. <laughs> Capitol Police should have stood but, down and let him do it. <laughs> like they did on January 6th. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. should have opened the door and turned their heads, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't but, see uh, anything. McCain, what, what Ms. Riley said, Robert, was absolutely true. I never saw anybody stonewall investigations yeah. any more than John McCain did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I'm quite sure he was compensated handsomely by his handlers for doing that. Yep. Oh, there's no doubt. I know that uh, I remember I was, uh, it was 1987 or 88, and I was uh, working, helping with the POW issue. And a lot of ladies came to me who had been nurses in uh, Vietnam. And they came and asked for help from our office in getting a statue for the women at uh, near the uh, Vietnam Veterans Memorial. And one of the comments I'll never forget is we went to Senator McCain and our committee did, uh, our group, and we said, we would really like to get your support for these women, these nurses, because they need to be recognized. Their their yeah. contribution was invaluable. They should be recognized mm-hmm. uh, here as well. And they've got a proposed statue that they would like to do. We would like to get your support for that. I'll never and never in my lifetime forget McCain's response. He turned and he looked at us and he said, Oh, a statue for the women. Next damn thing you want's a statue for the dogs. <laughs> wow. I put all those ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. 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 But right after the statue for well, the V C Yeah. There's uh, no no doubt in my mind that, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, of course, one of the gentlemen I got to know real well, a uh, Air Force colonel. Uh, I'm trying to think of his last name right now, Earl. Anyway, he, he had been the... Uh, he had been the SRO, Senior Ranking Officer to Hanoi Hilton. Hmm. And he's the, he hated McCain with a passion. And he said... For good reason. I can... He said, I can tell you this. When he was at the prisoner of war camp, he said he disappeared twice. No one saw him for long lengths of time. We know that he got special. We know that he mm-hmm. got special treatment. 
he got doctors that none of the rest of us got. And he said the yeah. guards were, he said the guards referred to him as the prince. And he did spill his guts to the NVA about secrets and things that oh. only military people should know. Am I correct in that, Ab- Michael? Absolutely. Yeah. He gave them yeah. all of the rads. Do you gentlemen know what a rad is? I have no idea unless you're talking uh, nuclear stuff. No, okay. These rads were the ingress and egress routes for the fighters and bombers going into Vietnam. Oh, man. Wow. And he gave them he gave them all of the rads, and so shortly after that, the North Vietnamese moved all of their SAM missile sites to cover these rads, and after McCain was captured, there was a sharp increase in the number of shootouts. No doubt. Between that and the forest all fire. There is a monument to John McCain in Hanoi. No, I have no clue, but that doesn't surprise me. Probably they have him as the MVP. Well, can you imagine uh, the U.S. putting up a monument to Hirohito at uh, Pearl Harbor? Yeah. (laughs) Boy, talk about a metaphorical middle finger. Damn. Man. Well, if you gentlemen are unaware of that monument, I will be happy to send you a picture of it. Please do. I want to see it. I want to pee on it. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be worth making a trip to Hanoi just for that. (laughs) I want to see. I was going to say something. I was going to say something crass, but I'll hold on. Need to find his grave. Man. Well, you you do know that his. Uh, we're almost running out of time, but you do know when he got back, his wife had fought valiantly for his uh, for the release of the POWs, and she had been injured in a car wreck, and she was an invalid, right. but he had never known about it. You do know that when he, uh, shortly after he was returned, he divorced her. Yep. Yep. Uh, then that accident might not have been an accident. <laughs> oh, well, what a wonderful person he was. Yeah. Emphasis on the word was. Yeah. Making himself past tense was. is, like I said, the best thing he ever did for this country. Well, we are about yeah, out of time, and I just want to make sure that people know that uh, Mike has two websites, rebelmadman.com and embracingtheobvious.com, both of which you can get uh, from the links page on my site. And, Mike, tell people how you can how they can hear your uh, radio shows you do. All right, tomorrow from 12 noon until 2 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm doing a program on uh, Revolution Radio Studio A. We uh, go into constitutional issues. Tomorrow we will be discussing Patrick Henry. And Sunday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, we have a show called Addicted to Our Own Destruction. And my good friend Daryl Wayne and I will be delving into Luther Martin. Not Martin Luther, people. Luther Martin. Awesome. Martin Luther King. That'll be a good one. Well, thanks a lot for being here, guys. I appreciate it very much. And as always, it's been a wonderful show. Everybody, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We'll see you live on Monday. See you then. God bless. Thank you. Thank you.